Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. As we continue on in our study through uh, the Old Testament, we are in the book of Genesis. We're doing a chapter at a time, more or less a chapter at a time. We worked through together the entire New Testament in a five-year period leading, preceding this. Um, but now we're 43 chapters in, so it's been the better part of a year here in the book of Genesis. And we will continue to press on as the Lord tarries uh, and if he's, it'll take us another 14 years to finish the Old Testament. If he's not back by then, we'll start the New Testament all over again. So uh, that's good. And um, that's what we're up to and what we're doing. Context, really important when you read the Bible. And, and we talked a lot about that in the New Testament. The Old Testament now um, helps us to sort of fill in some gaps in the New Testament. Things we might not have understood as we read through the New Testament sort of are explained to us in the Old Testament. So it's, uh, it's certainly worth looking at and reading and praying about and doing all those things that we should do as believers. Now, um, as we work through it this way, we're 40, this is our 43rd chapter in Genesis. I've told you that really I'm hoping you remember some things about the book of Genesis that even after we're done studying Genesis, we could go back and I could say, hey, what did you learn about Genesis? And Because uh, they're going to help us through the studies all the way through. So um, I've told you that Genesis really is about four main events and four main characters and one main theme. So yeah, do it every week so you guys say, oh yeah, I've got that and uh, that you can start doing it. So the four main events are creation, right? And then the fall and then the flood and the Tower of Babel. All of those happen in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. All those big events, those are the four big events that kind of shape things that you need to be aware of. Then we're introduced to the four main characters. And uh, always be careful. There's lots of main characters in the book of Genesis because I'm, you're going to, how is Adam and Eve not main characters in the book of Genesis? But pretty much by the end of chapter four, you know, they're, they're just in genealogies, right? The, the really takes off from here. So these four main characters are uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Okay, good. That's what the story kind of revolves around with, like I said, some other players very prominent throughout the whole idea. And the main theme is what I want you to know is the crimson thread of redemption. Crimson thread of redemption, which starts in Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is one of those key verses in the Bible you should know. It's right after the fall, and it talks about God making enmity and putting all this place, and it's the, it's the beginning of the redemption that culminates at the cross. That's my microphone starting to mess up. So I'm just turning this on because I probably should have started with this one. But I didn't want to because I don't like hold. I'm spoiled, and I don't like holding microphones anymore. That's just honest. Okay, stop. Okay, okay. So everybody can hear me still. Good. I got to get back to my notes. I just erased my notes. It's okay. I can get them back. Come on. Thank you. All right. So the crimson thread of redemption, and we will watch that weave its way through the entire Old Testament up to 
the cross. And really, we, we start seeing it in the covenants that we've looked at in Abraham and the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob. Now, Joseph isn't in the lineage of Christ, right? It's Judah. And actually, Judah makes an appearance in today's chapter and in, in a better light than the last time we saw him. The last time we saw him when he was mixed up with a business with Tamar and lacked uh, integrity. Um, but, but it seems like that's maybe changed him a little. He's going he's gonna to be moving in a better way uh, in this chapter. So you'll see him pop in. He's part of the lineage of Christ. But Joseph is the bigger part of the story. And God, how God uses him and has him in position to protect his people Israel, which is all part of this plan of redemption that's moving through the process. All right? So that's what we're up to. Last week... Uh, we saw that there's a famine that had been, you know, prophesied that, uh, remember God gave a dream to Pharaoh, two dreams that were the same dream and about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And Joseph is plucked out of prison where he's been and he interprets the dreams uh, to Pharaoh and Pharaoh puts him in charge of everything. And the seven years of plenty, Joseph got everything stashed away in the grain houses. And now the famine is set in and a couple of years in, um, Jacob and the people, his family were hungry. And so he sends his sons over to Egypt to get some grain. And Joseph happens to be there, um, divine appointment, recognizes his brothers, doesn't let him, let them know who he is. Um, finds out how everybody in the family's doing by questioning them. And then, um, you know, gives them a little bit of a hard time. Not bad really considering they had sold him into slavery and were the reason life had been so hard for 20 years. But uh, anyway, uh, graciously sends him back home with food and all their money in return. And, but he says, don't come back without bringing your younger brother who he found out about. And Jacob loves Benjamin more than all the other kids and they know it and it's caused a lot of problems. He loved Joseph like that too. So um, Joseph and Benjamin are brothers from Jacob's favorite wife, right? And so that's all the issue. Uh, lots of, Jacob has a lot of issues. Um, again, we talk about that in the Bible. The reason I like the book is these are people with issues like us. So, and often worse than us, seemingly. So that's kind of helpful. Um, yeah, God can use them. And uh, that's a good thing. All right, so, so that's where we were left it. They had food, they had taken back. They found the money in their sacks. Um, they told Jacob they can't go back without taking their brother. And he says, I don't want to hear it. That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. So there we are. And they, as we pick up in 43, you know, what happens is they, they run out of food again. Famine hasn't gone away. I think maybe Jacob was hoping the famine would stop or something. But we knew it wasn't because we, we've already heard with the dream. We're there in two years of seven. Um, runs out of food. And uh, all of a sudden it's... It's time to go back. And, and um, this whole time, nobody's talking about it. Got a brother in jail in Egypt. They all know he's there. <laughs> and, and, uh, but they, so they just kind of hang out. Nobody wants to bring it up because Jacob is a little tough to deal with. And finally, Jacob, they run out of food. Jacob says, hey, go buy a little food. And they all know they can't go back without Benjamin. But this time, it's Judah that steps forward. And, and um, he takes command of the situation, you know, where before that it hadn't gone very well. Uh, and... Um, and, and so, you know, Jacob's mad at all his sons, but, but nonetheless, they got to go. Judah's going to tell him, hey, we can't go without bringing Benjamin. Jacob tries to put the blame on everybody again for even mentioning, why did you even tell him you had a brother? And they said, well, it kind of came up in the way he questioned us, which it did. Joseph was 
purposely asking questions. And, um, you know, why'd you bring this trouble on me, he says. And uh, Judah this time's offers to become surety for Benjamin. He sort of guarantees with his own life his safe return home. And again, I think this is, uh, this kind of shows maybe Judah has had a little change of heart in the process of his own life. And maybe he learned a little something back with the whole Tamar mess. Um, and so then Jacob says, fine, if you got to go, he gets in, like he always has, he gets in there and he tells them exactly what they got to do. Take a present for the Egyptian ruler so they can get Simeon back out, take twice the amount of money so they can pay back what came back the first time and then buy some more food this time. And he's also going to say, I think it's important, take your brother also instead of take my son. It just shift things around. I think he's trying to get them to know that this is flesh and blood here, and that's important. And I was, I was thinking about this. I don't know if this will impact any, but it might impact a few of you. Um, so, when you're, uh, when you start having your children grow up into teenage years, if any of you, there might be a few of you have that look forward to. I saw some kids in there. Okay, so here's what you have to do if you're smart in your teenage years. This isn't particularly good for you, for you uh, men in there. Um, with your kids because now, now your kids will sometimes start fighting with your spouse anybody ever experienced this and you and and you, you and you might go in thinking you can help the situation by saying um stop treating your mother that way and and it's far more powerful though to to go in and say stop treating my wife that way it totally shifts the dynamic because all of a sudden they see this person in a completely different light and it's it has it makes a difference and so I only say that to say this, Jacob is saying instead of, it's always been his son, his son, his son. Now he says, take your brother and you, it's your brother. Treat him right. Of course, they don't have a great track record with brothers, but he doesn't really know that. <laughs> anyway. So, okay, let's read it. Genesis 43, 34 verses, not real long. We'll talk a little about it on the other side. I'm reading out of the NIV. That's what's in the notes. You can follow along in your own translations. It'll probably show up on the screen as well. Now, the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. Because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, bring your brother down here? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Sorry, it just sounded good, this, the honey and the almond, like a, like, a, like a bit of honey bar with p- 
pistachio. Anyway. <laughs> Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that you will, he will let your older brother, other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare dinner. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. <laughs> it's always a big fear, I guess. Someone. <laughs> it's just funny sometimes. <laughs> like, like being slaves wouldn't be bad enough. And take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. Please, sir, they said, we came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight and the amount of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We've also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said, don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Pretty good. So... Like, like a miracle, or, or as we talked about it, did Joseph put it back in there? But the, the account's good with Egypt. The, the, everything was paid for. Good stuff. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed uh, down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your age, aged father? You told me about, is he still living? And they replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed low to pay him honor. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went to his private room and, and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. It might have been Joseph's way of saying, yeah, you know, he's the only one that didn't throw me under the bus. But I'm forgiving all of you. But he gets more food. So, blessed be the word of the Lord. All right. So, very interesting stuff going on here. And now, um, next time when we talk, when we get in the next chapter, Benjamin's a pretty big player. But, but for now, this is still the process. They haven't yet recognized, recognized that it's Joseph, their brother. Um, and they assume Joseph's dead, which is why it's, they don't even begin to, they're not looking for Joseph. They, they figure he's probably long since gone um, in the process. So um, what happens then in the beginning? Like I said, verse 1, 
Jacob and his sons, they had no relief from the famine. Um, they, they, uh, they, they didn't know this was all part of God's plan like we do in hindsight. You know, we, God was just moving them over and he, was, he needed to get, for whatever reason, the people of Israel into Egypt for a season of 400 and some years where they would become a nation, um, even in bondage and slavery, but, but um, that's what needs to take place. And so everything is just happening according to God's plan and people are moving into spots and situations and things are taking on and going the way they're supposed to. Um, and so uh, they had, I'm sure they had hoped that this food that they had gotten would be, you know, maybe carry them through until the famine was over, but it hadn't. Because so I don't know what their plan was with Simeon, but still, um, they were taking care of the immediate more than the other stuff. And as I said, the time comes, they need to go back, there's no food. Jacob says, go. Judah says, we can't go without, without Benjamin. And finally, Jacob says, fine, whatever, I guess you got to go. Um, he's not happy about it. Judah accepts full responsibility for Benjamin's safety. Um, he, he didn't know what that meant in his own life, but he was going to do what, he, you know, what the right thing to do was, that, which is good for Judah. It's a big shift in him. And, uh, um, and so stepping up that way makes Jacob move and do the right thing as well and say, okay, you got to go. Um, and, and this is what was supposed to happen. And, and so they take it on from there. I chuckled a little bit about the gifts uh, in verse 11. Uh, balm, honey, uh, pistachio nuts, almonds. Um, these were um, very valuable items. And it was famine. So they would have been really hard to get. This was a big deal. This was a really good gift. Um, because of the famine, they were even more rare. And so they're sending, you know, some pretty good gifts along the way in the process. And um, remember that when, when Joseph's brothers had come home the first time, they found the grain and all the food. So now it was a pretty big deal that that had happened. And, you know, nobody knew why it had happened. And Jacob said, okay, you're going to go back. You're going to take all that money back. You're going to take another load of money back. And let's go straighten out the accounts so they don't think, you know, we've stolen this. Go straighten it out. And, but I love the idea that... Um, so the guys were afraid of that. You can see, you know, in around verse 18, they were, they were all afraid of going to Joseph's house and they thought, okay, he's going to, like I said, he's going to come in, make us slaves, take our donkeys, and we're in big trouble. And that was their concern. And so they, they're thinking it's because this, they had this money. They still haven't figured this out. And they, they said, um, you know, uh, here's the money. Uh, and the guy said, it's not about the money at all. You're everything, your accounts are good. And, um, and so they, they're sitting there the whole meal thing begins to take place um, in this chapter, as I said, and they're all sitting at different tables. Um, in Egypt at that time, there was a, a system. So um, s- certain classes of people didn't eat with other classes of people. They never mixed at all. The Egyptians didn't like the Hebrews because they were pretty much shepherds and they had a distaste for them. So, so they couldn't eat. Joseph was a Hebrew, although the most powerful, second most powerful guy in Egypt. So he ate separately. He didn't eat. So there was a big sort of everybody at different tables having dinner. But Benjamin was close to Joseph on the table. And I like, I like it how um, he, uh, he gets f- five times the amount of stuff as everybody else. So remember this, the whole thing is going on because the brothers have always had this whole favoritism thing working against them. And they're probably thinking, really? <laughs> Look at that. So go figure some of that out in the process. And uh, 
things start really happening next chapter, but there's, there's too much to get into to hop into it now. So we'll just kind of, we'll finish up there. We got the scene set for next week. All right. So this meal's happening. Joseph's about to reveal himself to his brothers and, uh, it's going to be cool when that happens. And then, you know, we're, we're moving through Genesis now. He's going to tell him, bring all the family down. We'll see that happen. They all get settled in one area and then God takes care of them there and they begin to develop into a nation and then um, Pharaoh's, remember Pharaoh is just the name of whoever happens to be leading Egypt at the time. It's not one guy. So the Pharaoh that ends up in place 400 years later, at some point in time, they, they sort of recognize, hey, we need to put all these, these people are more than us. We've got to put them to work. They enslave them. And that sets us up for the big exodus that comes up and in a book of the same title. So, <laughs> aptly named. So that's where we're at. We'll finish there for tonight. If you're watching my video, thank you for doing that. And uh, uh, come and visit us when you get a chance. And you guys can shut that off.